Hello and welcome. This is the Future Family Podcast. I'm Blake. I'm Tanner. And I'm Cody. And this week, we are not sponsored by Seaspire. Seaspire, great in Mississippi, worth crap everywhere else. What's up, guys? Uh, so we're back this week with another episode, and uh, last time we talked about rest, but this week we're actually talking about work. Why do we work? Who do we work for? How should we work? We think all of these are important questions, and we feel like it's an important conversation to have. And hey, it's May, so some of you might just be graduating and starting to work soon. So it's a discussion that we're going to have today, and uh, to start it all off, it's just the first question, a basic question. Why do we work, Cody? Yeah, so we were kind of discussing this in our pre-show, and uh, we think that like there's if you ask anybody off the street, you'll probably get forty-seven different answers about why we work. But some of the common ones that we um, that we feel like we might have we might have heard in our own lives, or I mean, we might have even had these these reasons ourselves. Are things like uh, you know we need we need money for for leisure you know you gotta you gotta work to play, um, or as Tom Haverford says you gotta work a little to ball a lot. Yes. Uh, isn't that the quote? Is that the quote? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Just checking. Uh, other things are like providing for family, um, and there's there's even deeper reasons like uh, it's it's we say that maybe our work is fulfilling for us or it's kind of. Um, it's, it's kind of how we find our identity. Um, I don't know. Did I miss any? Can you guys think any more other than just like money for fun and providing for family, all that kind of thing? I think for some people it's um, like just to occupy time. Like, yep. Um, more on if you didn't work. Yeah. Right. And it's more like uh, the retired individuals, like they get done with work per se and they retire and, you know, on or on leisure for like a year mm-hmm. and they feel like they just need to be doing something. So they go into some kind of work. Um, yeah. so maybe, I mean, that may be true for some younger people, which I think is, is, is good. That's, I think it's, um, it really just points to the fact that, and I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this probably in this very question, but it just kind of points to the fact that we were designed for work. And so it makes sense that that's kind of what human beings are naturally drawn to. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, when you go back to Genesis, work wasn't something that came in uh, post fall of man. It was something that uh, God mandated yeah. before Genesis three. And you know, one thing that's interesting, I feel like, is, and I, we'll we'll allude to this later, but we spend most majority of our lives working. Like, if you think of like, we're in school till. 24 let's say you're through college by Mm -hmm. 24 25 the rest like technically the rest of your life you're working so if you live to be 75 then 50 years of your life well maybe not 50 years but a lot of your life you're working and so the pressure i feel like people have especially in college they're like oh my gosh i have to find what i'm gonna do or like or the rest of my life is just toast like i'm I'm not going to be fulfilled. I'm not going to be satisfied with work. And so I think a lot of pressure is around this topic, especially if you're in college, like even in high school, uh, you're trying to figure out like, why am I here? What, what do I want to do with my life? And I feel like we ask, you know, elementary kids or even toddlers, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, it's always, it's something that they want to do, or it's something that they think is super cool. But as people grow older, they're like, well, that was not realistic or that was not realistic or that's not going to happen. So let me kind of narrow down to more of a realistic kind of picture. But at the end of the day, let me ask you all this. What is 
like what is our purpose behind work or do we have a higher purpose um more so than just money or a means to live or providing for family like is there a why do we work um just in general well i think biblically there's probably a few that we could talk about um and i know tanner and i you know we were discussing this before the show so i can just like say one and then tanner you can just bounce off and say another but um one of them that we that we noted is if you're looking at biblical reasons why we were given work is um really just for the joy of it right so tanner and i both had this note in the in the pre-show that god to a degree left the world unfinished you know he said it was very good but whenever he made it he made it with the raw materials necessary for us to build society, for us to build art, to bring order, beauty, industry, all the things that humans bring. And that's why he gave us this cultural mandate of cultivation. That's kind of, it's kind of what, um, it's kind of the definition of cultivation, right? Seeing the raw material and uh, making it into creating. And in that way, we kind of are sub creators. Hmm. So work is if you're looking at a higher purpose, work is a way that we mirror God by ourselves creating from what he created. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. But the cultural mandate that you were talking about, Cody, is um, in Genesis 1, uh, 28, and it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth, and that subdue that cultivate um you i mean you gave really great um word picture for it another one is just to make order out of chaos like that Mm -hmm. i know it's kind of hard to to really accept and believe that god would leave it unfinished but there was like a purpose a divine purpose behind that to um have us be partners with him Mm -hmm. in creating this um and so that's not just this leisure of sitting back and kind of just doing the easy thing of naming animals it's actually taking like you said the raw materials and creating culture creating technology creating all these things to um i mean to kind of allude back to uh, a resource i mentioned on the last episode garden city by john mark comer the bible story starts off in a garden and ends in a city with garden imagery so we are blessed and privileged with being a part of taking that garden and building it into um, a city, this new heaven. Um, and so work is involved in that. That's good. Yeah, And it's, it's very interesting to think about, like if you just kind of pull the strings on this idea about how God could have very well made Beethoven symphonies himself if he wanted to. Oh yeah. Um, he could have very well built all the cities that we see himself if he wanted to, but he chose to let humanity have the joy of doing that themselves. And Tanner, I want to I want to build off what you were talking about with kind of the the chaos and order thing because I, I think it's very interesting that this is a this is a facet that work has taken on that it didn't have before the fall of man is that mm-hmm. now we have jobs that are necessary um, post fall of man that wouldn't have been necessary before Genesis three and these are jobs like you know doctors yeah. and. Um, and think things of that nature that are really, and, and the book that I'm reading right now, um, every good endeavor kind of speaks to this about how in a fallen world, our work, uh, can in a lot of ways point to how the world is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's never going to happen perfectly because like, uh, Romans eight says, you know, just creation is, is groaning. Uh, things are falling apart, but in in our very small ways, we can bring things into order and kind of show a small picture of a heaven that will be one day. And um, I think that I think that all of us, I know that that's like that's a really abstract way of thinking about it, but I know that all of us feel this when we hear like a beautiful song or we see a beautiful piece of art, or even whenever we whenever we just manage to like build something ourselves, whether it's tangible or whether it's, I don't know, just a good functioning Excel spreadsheet or something. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh yeah. We, we make order and we, we, we can look back at our work and say, this is how things are supposed to be. Um, I think it's just really cool. Yeah. That's, 
there's nothing better than a great Excel spreadsheet. Like, um, Amen. Amen. I mean, it's just the truth. So I'm, we'll get off. They just end the podcast right here. Yeah. Make a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we actually used to do our show notes on an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> we did, didn't we? That's true. And that was because of Cody. Um, because Cody loved yeah, I'm very Excel. sorry. Um, that, that would be the first thing. <laughs> but uh, one point I did want to make, and this is kind of uh, this. It's a it's a retreat. It's called Work Is Worship Retreat. Um, they have it like every year for uh, business people, um, people in the industry, um, just to to get away and and really kind of take a, a look at why we work and how our faith is uh, or how as believers, how we should work and, and why we should work and all that, all the questions that we're talking about today. And one of the, or one of the points that they make, it's, it's pretty much a, a belief system that they have created or kind of written down um, for work as worship. And it's, they call it the eight tenets of work as worship. And number one, it's work is good. Number two, sin corrupted work. Number three, Jesus makes it possible for work to be redeemed. Number four, God gave us a mission. Number five, we carry Christ into our work. Number six, God grows us through our work. Number seven, God can do more with our work than we can imagine. And number eight, uh, work is worship. So all of that kind of builds upon each other. And just like Cody and Tanner were saying, um, like initially work was like good. And, and in the garden, it was in an unfallen state. So it was... Uh, totally different from what we're talking about today. And, and when sin corrupted work, then there was a whole uh, new wave of, of just sin that, that came into the world because of that. And so uh, for a lot of people, work can become a God. It can become what people always strive to do and strive to, uh, to, to climb the ladder. And, and just be the best that they can be. And that all, all of those things can be good, but it also can become a God. And that is, uh, that is something that we want to, you know, understand that that is not our purpose to become the best and uh, just become like the top and, and just for the sole purpose of I'm the best or I have this or I have that. And one point that uh, Matt Chandler was uh, one of the speakers at this conference. And he said, um, a lot of times we want to work for our family, but sometimes we want to work to bring our family what we didn't have just for the, for the sake of giving them something uh, because we had success in business or we, we made you know six figures or whatever that might be. The sake of I'm going to give my family the best just because I can and just because I want to just climb the ladder and show, shower them with all that I'm earning and work. It's like, there's, there's some underlying motives that are dangerous because we're saying that work is all that we have, or it's all that I am. So it can become our identity. Um, and that's a, uh, I think that's a, right. a dangerous or a, a, a line that we could, uh, uh, definitely step over. And so, uh, one other question regarding why we work and, uh, Cody, I was going to ask you this, um, work can be service to others or there, uh, or like, you could call it like a, a service job, I guess. Um, but how is our work service, even if it isn't like serving others specifically? When you think of work being service to like greater humankind, I think a lot of times we don't tend to see, like if I'm an engineer, we don't tend to see that as I'm serving anybody, right? But when we tend to, when you tend to hear a serving job, you tend to think of something like, I don't know, your, your waiting tables, your, uh, you're a janitor, you're a doctor, something like that. Something where you have direct contact with people that are, um, in need. But I think that there really is a way to view every job as a service job. And that is that, Every job, and I, I really do think this, pretty much every job that you can think of is in some way serving the community as a whole and in some way bringing order to the world as a whole. So, for instance, this is this is like, I'm, I'm really going to stretch this out, but I, I legitimately believe that this is how we should start to think of work rather than it being individualized. I work in a warehouse where we package plastic pellets. 
that um, a lot of which will ultimately go into maybe like running shoes or will maybe go into uh, like Ziploc bags. And at first, when you think about that, it's it's it doesn't immediately feel like something service wise. But, you know, when I really kind of dig into it, I start to think about how, you know, the stuff that I'm shipping out is going into someone's running shoes and those are helping someone stay comfortable while they stay healthy out there. Um, these Ziploc bags that I'm making are preserving somebody's food, uh, so that they can save money by eating leftovers or so that they can like eat food. That's like maybe a couple days old by keeping it in the fridge and not giving it a freezer burn. And these are like small, tiny, minuscule things, but it's these kind of things that you don't really, you don't really think about, but they, they kind of keep the world going when you're walking down the street of New York you're probably not immediately thinking, you know, somebody picks up all the trash and keeps this clean and keeps it from being like, you know, a total cesspool or just, you know, another plague breaking out. But the sanitation department does that. And it just keeps that city running day in and day out. And that, that kind of leads into the next question of like, how as Christians should we work? Is there like an outline? Tanner, can you give us a three step? Here's how we should work. Let's do it. Yeah, um, I I can, but I need to take up a tithe before we can. Uh, okay, I can give that sermon. <laughs> All right. Now, okay. um, I think like I don't want to build this up to be like a. a well, I know you were joking, but like a three step. Like this is how we should do it because there's really like what I see um, is to make sure it's Paul. Yeah, Paul. Um, what I see is Paul who gives us in Colossians three. 23 kind of gives us really just a um, encouragement, if not really like instruction or a command of how we're to work, where he says, whatever you do, work heartily um, uh, as for the Lord and not for men. And so I think we could put together a 15-step uh, Bible study on how to work uh, as Christians, but really what it, it looks like is working um I think it's the Amplified Bible says, like from our soul, as for the Lord, um, doing our job, whether it be like what Cody was just alluding to, um, making plastic pellets, teaching for me. Um, Blake, you clean up diapers, is it right? That's it. Uh, yes, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> whatever it may be. Blake working. has a baby? No. <laughs> 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 Everyone, we got an announcement for you right here today on the Future Family Podcast. Thank you. Uh, um, but doing it, I mean, to the best of our abilities, like some of our parents have probably um, taught us that growing up. But um, I think not only thinking about putting your name on something, like a stamp of approval, but putting thinking about putting God's name on it and how that would change how we do things. Um, there's a lot of times that I've you know, slack off as a teacher, especially in the situation I am in and I'm not actually teaching, just kind of observing, but um, just doing it to the best of our ability, I think really points people to a power that is bigger than us um, because there are plenty of days, like today we're recording on a Monday, there are plenty of Mondays we go in and don't want to do our work, but doing it um, to the best of our ability, I think, like I said, points to something bigger than us. Right. Yeah, and I think... So Go ahead, Blake. Sorry. No, I was just saying that was so good because it was so good. It was. It was. And I think, uh, Tanner, to that point, I think when we start to see our work as service and when, when we start to see like the why of why, like why we work, it's higher than our self-fulfillment and it's it's service and it's building a, a society and it's building culture. And we, when we start to see that, I think that how we work really does get changed because if I see my job as, as self-fulfillment, um, I'm probably only going to work as hard as I need to to get a promotion. I'm probably only going to work as hard as I need to and on what I need to to get recognized and for that work to be personally fulfilling. But when I see it as service to my fellow man, when I see it as um, being a part of something larger than myself, uh, and when I see it also as an act of obedience to God, um, Tanner, like you were talking about how God commands us not just to work, but to work well, um, then I am, I am motivated to work um, 
harder than what will get me the next promotion. Um, I'm willing to work in ways where I won't be seen, where I won't be recognized. And I think that that's when the why is very firmly established, the motivation for how really just gets like bolstered up tenfold. And I love that because going back to what you said earlier, Cody, all all jobs are not necessarily directly like impacting, I don't know, an entire city and and so glamorous that it's like being broadcast on news stations all over. Like it's Mm. every job is not going to be in the spotlight, but I believe every job does impact and does good. And so when you have that in your, in your mindset, it's like even a, a job that is, I mean, we'll say teaching, for instance, I know like some teachers don't get paid as much as they should. A lot of people feel And so even though they have terrible days and they like, I'm sure students can get on their last nerve sometimes, but they press on and they are just doing work well and, and they are impacting so much. Like I remember I had a, I had multiple high school teachers that I still remember and look up to and they had bad days. But the, the fact of it is like how we work transcends like a, a bad Monday, like Mondays are the, right. the essential. Oh, it's Monday. Um, but then Tuesday comes and maybe you have a terrible week in general. That doesn't overpower what our mentality is behind work or how we should work. Like that, that is something that is almost a core truth. And like, I love how, uh, I think it's in John, maybe don't, don't quote me, but how Jesus, uh, looked at the, the joy that was set before him, even though he knew what was coming, like it was suffering. It was a lot. Like, I feel like if we could grasp onto joy, like in work, right. That would be something that would transcend those. Cause we're going to have bad weeks. And Cody and I talked about this beforehand. It's like, you're going to have no matter what job you have, you're going to have weeks that are just bad. Like they suck <laughs> and you're not going to want to go into work. Um, yeah. But if you can press through that and and really remember the core truth of how we should work and, and really why we work, then I think um, you can see this, the silver lining at the, you know, or the light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> almost it's silver lining right. at the end of the tunnel. But that is right. that is an important thing to have uh, as a foundational truth, I believe, why we work, more importantly, how we should work. And we're going to be and we're going to be referencing college a lot because we were already talking about how, you know, a lot of people graduate are graduating right mm-hmm. now. But I think that's something that really does need to be emphasized more because for whatever reason, our our next job after college just gets romanticized so much that I feel like whenever people get into that job and they have a crummy day, man, they're just tempted to find a new one. Yeah. Um, it's a type of dis- disillusionment, I think. Um, a feeling yes. of disappointment resulting from discovery that something is not as good as one believed it to be. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Definition Blake. Oh, God. It's my favorite. Tanner, were you saying something a second ago? I'm sorry if I cut you off. I was just going to say that it was Hebrews 12, too, that um, Blake was alluding to, not John. Gosh. Oh, it's me. Oh, good flex. Good what flex. I think I was thinking about John and how we're supposed to abide in Christ and we should abide in Christ because it brings joy. Therefore, ah. he points to the joy, whatever. I was just trying to find that. That was, that was Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, so another, I guess, question with how should we work is uh, a question that we've all talked about before. Um, just with, we talked about it a lot in college, but uh, how, should, how should we live out the gospel in the workplace setting. Um, like we were just talking before the show in college, I heard so many sermons and, and message series geared towards college students that were great and how we should, you know, share the gospel on campus or how we should um, do mission work and for our summer missions and how we should uh, just, I don't know, everything was focused on where we were in college and it was all great and it was all beneficial. But Whenever I stepped over into post-grad and into work life, I almost felt unprepared for, okay, well, now I'm working eight to five and 40 hours a week. How do I share the gospel in this setting? Like, this is a totally different setting than what I just stepped out of. And so 
how do I share the gospel? How do I live the gospel? How, like, what do I say? You know, how do, what do I do with my hands? Like, I, I just don't know um, what to do in this setting. So, um, Cody, what's your thoughts on like, how, how do we live out the gospel in, in the marketplace, in the workplace setting? So this is, this is another, this is actually the very first chapter of the, the book that I'm reading on work right now in every good endeavor, where basically he says, if you ask any multitude of Christians, what it means to live out the gospel at work, you'll probably get 72 different answers. Um, main ones that you'll hear are, we should be evangelizing. Um, we should, we should work well. Um, we should have a different attitude about our work. We should have a different attitude in general. Um, we should, uh, we should really try to serve the people that we work with. And, Tim Keller's point in this is really <laughs> what, what we need to realize is you're probably going to do a different mix of all of those depending on where it is that you work. So for instance, like if you work in a research lab, that's just like three people, you might be like sharing the gospel significantly less than someone who is like a pastor, mm-hmm. you know? Um, there's, I, I really, and this, this is such a cop-out answer I feel, but I don't feel like there really is a like clear one cut and dry. This is the way that we honor God in how we work. I think that there's multiple, many things. I think it's all of those things that I just yeah. said in, in some, in some mix, depending on where you are. That's you know? good. I will say one thing, and this is, I don't think it's the it might be the easy answer. It's you build relationships with people and Mm -hmm. that's, that's the basic thing to do. Whenever you work, you, you grow and you build relations. That's one thing I loved about the office. And I think you can both attest, like you grew to love each and every worker there. And just as they grew to love, even if it wasn't like the best relationship, like they were with each other every single day. Yeah. And like, where you work, you're with those people. So you might as well love them. Right. Um, uh, there was one pastor, he was talking about how uh, like coworkers teach you a lot and they're going to stretch you out a lot and they're going to get on your last nerves, but you're also going to be with them every single day. So you might as well learn to love yep. them, learn to work through all of those feelings and just get to know them, um, who they are and like their family and just everything about them. And, uh, and I think one of the mentalities I had in college was, you know, we were with, with a class for a semester. So you want to get to know somebody really quick and like find out who they are to, you know, try to bring up gospel conversation. And like in, in a workplace setting, it's almost like a long game. Like you're like, you're always, you know, praying for an opportunity to share the gospel or just share what God has done in your life or just, you know, something like that. But it's not like you're just first day going to walk in. Hey, uh, let me share the gospel with you. And you don't have a relationship with them at all. It's like, it's right. That's the first thing you say to them. Then I don't know, that might start off a little rocky, but if you build a relationship with them over a period of time, then I, I believe God brings those conversations um, to you. And he just brings those relationships. And, and that's when I think it enters in. But I love that you said there's no textbook answer because uh, there isn't. And it's, it's hard to even say that, relationships is the textbook answer because there's not like, I mean, that's, it's going to look different for every single job setting um, just because everything is different. But any thoughts on that, Tanner? Yeah, I think the, um, the clear, the textbook answer um, is (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) now y'all set me up for that. Now, um, like you guys really like articulated it well. I think I'll add to that um, really kind of when I think about the gospel, I think about in Isaiah 52, um, that kind of poetic uh, story of the the messenger um, running across the mountains. And it says that um, he gets there and he says, how beautiful, or no, excuse me, the watchmen say, how beautiful, you know, on, uh, are the feet on the mountains of him who brings good news. And it talks about the good news in saying publishing peace, um, who uh, brings news of happiness, who proclaims salvation, and who says your God reigns. And so I think kind of along those lines, if your job, your occupation involves some of those aspects as well as, um, you know, a a Christ-like view of justice, again, peace, 
um, hope and happiness, bringing that to your job and kind of seeking that, whatever field it may be, um, you know, that's, that's probably going to be a select few of our listeners, but I think there's an aspect in each of that as well as we're going to get into this. I know, right. Like probably next, but vocation and, uh, calling, but vocation kind of comes from the, it's a it's somewhat newer word. It comes from the Latin, um, where's it at? Voc- vocatio, vocatio. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Latin speaker. Um, so forgive me for that, but it comes from, or it's the same word we get calling, uh, to summon, but it can also mean voice. And so what our vocation or occupation says, um, speaks, I think obviously speaks volumes. And so if we're doing that in a way that speaks and proclaims good news, again, going back to what I said before, something bigger than us, a power greater than us, um, then that is a way that we can, um, share the gospel or at least point people yeah. to the gospel. Yeah. Does that make sense? And like, yeah, that, I don't, does, go ahead, Blake. No, I was just saying that does make sense. Tanner. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I don't want to get like too into specific scenarios here, but I did just want to throw this one piece of advice out here on the how part is for a lot of you guys that might be graduating college or even, I know for, for the three of us, we're all in this situation. You're probably going to find yourself in some sort of leadership role wherever you are. Um, I'm kind of in a, a small one in the warehouse right now. Um, Tanner, I know that you've, you've taught that is like in and of itself a leadership role. And Blake, we've talked about your job as well. Yeah. Um, and one of the, one of the things that I really just want to encourage people with as you're kind of going into those positions is, um, don't see the people who are under you as like their jobs are like less worthwhile. I think that, that, um, that thing we were talking about earlier, you know, the whole idea of when our jobs become a social status um, can really kind of creep into our minds when we're in leadership roles to the point where we start to see ourselves as of like a higher status than the people that are under us. And that I think really prohibits us from serving them like, like we should Mm -hmm. um, like is called to in Christ. So for those of us that are like going into leadership roles, I think one of the most crucial ways of how we work is treating the people that we're leading um, as 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 if they like because they do as if they just have so very much value to us. Because yeah. um, I feel like that doesn't that doesn't happen a lot. So that's the one like if I had one like advice for how we should work. That would be the one word that I'd throw out there. That's good. And, but yeah, so that, that brought up a point. I, we said this pre-show, but I do want to mention it. Um, you know, Cody and I, we were both engineering majors in college. And for me, at least, whenever I told people I was an engineering major, their first, almost their first response was, oh, there's a lot of money in that. Or, oh, that's a, that's a great job. And I mean, even even if I didn't tell them civil engineering, which is one of the lower paying jobs of all the engineering uh, in the engineering world, but it, it was almost like if I majored in this and if I got this job, then I was successful. Or if I made this amount of money, then I was successful. So early on in right. college, I had to like guard myself because that's I mean that's attractive. I'm like, oh yeah, I want to make I want to make a lot of money. Um, I want to be successful. Blah blah blah. But I had to guard myself. Why am I actually doing this? Am I doing this because I enjoy the work or I want to learn? Like, I want to be a problem solver. I want to like engage with what engineering actually is, or am I doing it because of a a price tag or a a certain amount of money that I'm going to make down the line? And for, for teachers, that's not, that's not the, the conversation that, that people have. If you say you're in education, then I don't know what they would say. They'd be like, Oh, well that that's awesome. You must love kids or students or something like that and i don't know i think it's i don't know if it's a double standard i don't know what it is but it just it kind of i had to be on guard and so if you're in college and if you're not doing engineering um and if people don't ask you those questions like i mean you need to know why you're studying what you're studying because what you want to do is important to you i think right and I, i think it really is worth just pulling the threads on like you know what well why is it when when I say that I'm an engineer, people all of a sudden like have a certain reverence that they wouldn't have if I came up to people and said that like I, I taught. Like why why is that? 
And why does that even sink into our brains where it becomes something that we believe? Because there's no dividing line like that in scripture. In fact, like most of Jesus' disciples were just straight up like fishermen. And, or at least, I mean, freaking Peter was, and he got quite a bit of screen time. (laughs) But the rich young ruler that came to him, like it was his wealth uh, and his clinging to it that was holding him back from following Christ. Um, scripture, if anything, often has higher reverence for the lower paying jobs, um, which like is completely crazy backwards from the way that we see it right now. I really just, it's, it's a rant that I could go on that I've just (laughs) did go on, but it's something that I really think is worth pulling the strings on for sure. That's good. Um, well, so last question that I want to bring up and ask y'all, and I'm kind of actually going to pit you two against each other, Tanner, Cody, um, because, (laughs) well, not against each other, but you have two different, uh, paths, I guess, that you're forging, um, that, that you're on. Um, so it's, uh, Tanner, you mentioned it earlier, uh, the vocation versus calling or the, your career based versus your solely, uh, ministry based, uh, paths. Um, so Tanner, you are in school, you're in seminary currently. You're going to be, uh, I don't know what your end goal is. Senior pastor of Hillsong, maybe? Um, yes. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, tell us just, I don't know, why you, you've you chosen that or, or what you think the difference between vocation, calling is. How do you know that you're called? Maybe, maybe we have a listener in college and he's like, I feel like I should go the ministry route. I don't want to... Uh, do whatever my major is, what would you tell him? Yeah. Um, first off, not to kind of throw your plans out of, you know, out in the water, but I think Cody and I will kind of agree, um, that there is this unnecessary separation between like the, I think maybe Tim Keller calls it the sacred and the secular or just the spiritual separation that some people talk about of like ministry as an occupation and everything else is kind of separate and not really a calling. Um, I think that's just not true and not biblical, but nonetheless, um, kind of answer your last question first. Um, how I felt like ministry was uh, a calling was just kind of something that I was, um, first interested in early high school. Um, I don't know what really necessarily got me interested in it, in the first place, it wasn't like it was a glamorous, um, you know, big thing as it is kind of now with like celebrity pastors and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just something that I started to have interest in and, and kind of um, have been told that maybe um, I had a little bit of, of gifting towards as just, you know, not like a, a great communicator or anything like that. But uh, so I started praying through it and just um, really at this um, kind of retreat camp deal. It wasn't really like an emotional you know, night where everyone's, everything's set up, you know, the fog machine's going, it wasn't anything like that. It was just something that we were really pushed to a time of like prayer and, and um, God's word. And just, it was during that weekend that I felt like, okay, this is where God is calling me into. Um, and so calling is um, not, like I said, not something just for ministry. It's something, I think I've got Frederick Buchner's, um, kind of word on it that you may have heard in some capacity um, where he really talks about that the place God calls you to is a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Um, And so I think a lot of people talk about how it's where your passions and the world's needs meet. Same thing. Um, So really like John Mark Comer mentions it in his book, um, I think calling is something we want it to be this like big event, like Moses at the burning bush or Paul, you know, on the road to Damascus with the blinding light. Um, but those he mentions are probably um, stories mentioned in the Bible because they are not the norm. They're exceptions. We are going to have regular, just figuring out who we are um, yeah. and just trying to understand who we are. And I think like the, the simple things like personality test, we have a whole episode on the Enneagram quick plug for that episode go listen to that if you know your Myers-Briggs those are things that kind of point you to what you're good in and so like if you're an introvert and you for some reason think that uh sales and uh, or like a car salesman or stuff like that is uh what you want to do 
you might want to rethink that because that doesn't line up with who you are. Um, so it's kind of a long answer to say that like calling is more about who you are, who God has called you to be. Uh, of course, the word called in that phrase, but um, yeah. then this kind of big event of like calling you to standing behind a pulpit for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I, I think like, I, I, I totally agree, Tanner. And I'm probably going to go like, uh, half, half practical, half theologically on this, uh, on this answer. But, um, I think like ways that I've gone wrong with thinking about where I should work in college is, um, exactly like you were saying is the idea of, I just need God to just straight up tell me where it is. Like I, uh, I think we just get so afraid to make a decision and to take a job and like make the risk of, you know, it might, it might be, it might not be fun. It might not be a great time. Your first job might not be amazing, but I think ultimately, like you were saying, Tanner, we should just look for somewhere where we feel like we're talented where we feel like we're passionate and where we feel like there is a need. So, um, Blake, you were kind of talking about our separate jobs. Like for me, I, I found that I was, I was good at problem solving. I found out that I enjoyed being a nerd and solving problems. <laughs> um, and I found that there's, there's just a need for, um, chemical engineers and things that I was passionate about were stuff like making chemical plants, uh, safer and, and more efficient. I really got a kick out of, you know, figuring out how to save a plant money or figuring out how to make it go faster, or figuring out how to make this process more safe and keep it from you know blowing up and all that kind of thing. Um, but I think it really is that simple. And I think this is one of these things. I think we tend to focus on where we should work in college so much because it's the most pressing. It's, it's the most pressing thing. It's, you know, I've, I've got all these options before me and I need to narrow them down. But I think because of that, we really don't spend as much time as we should on why do we work? Um, how should we work? And I think, like like I said, um, why informs how, and I think why informs where as well. Once we really tack down why it is that we work and have vocations, I think figuring out where is going to come a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, for instance, um, I think when you're in college, there's an especially huge temptation to think that the most glorifying job to God for you to have is the most prestigious job within your reach. Um, it's, it's this idea of, well, I'm not really honoring God if I don't go all the way and become a doctor, or I'm not really honoring God um, if I don't go all the way and get the most highly thought of job, because that's kind of what I'm called to. And I, I think that's Man, I really just think that's a lie that is just, um, just permeated yeah. our our college culture because it could very well be that the job that you are interested in and the job that um, you have talents in and the job where a need is is a prestigious job, but it it doesn't have to be. You don't have to sacrifice those three things for the sake of prestige. I think that's really just kind of an Americanized thing that I don't, I don't find to be biblical when you're thinking about where you should work. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so good. Um, and I love that Tanner, you're going into ministry. Like that's, that's what you want to do. That's what you are passionate about. Cody, I love that you are working at a chemical plant or Dow. Is it a chemical plant? Am I right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, I thought so. Um, <laughs> but I love that because, uh, I mean, just last last episode we recorded, he had some kind of meltdown or something at the plant that he just fixed on a phone call. Like it was it was awesome <laughs> seeing him work and like seeing him enjoy that. And then the other night. Because I forgot <laughs> to mute my microphone. <laughs> yeah, because he forgot. <laughs> and then like uh, Tanner, just like two weeks ago, um, I think he led worship, uh, preached the sermon, um, did the lyrics and then started the fog machine all by himself for the youth on a Wednesday night. Um, it was crazy. I was like, man, like he is working and he is just loving that. And that's awesome. And so I just think, I don't know. I think it can be just like we said, it can be uh, over 
overthunk. Is that a word? We think about it too much. That's great. I love it. <laughs> it can no, be keep overthunk. It. <laughs> it's overthunk. The whole, the whole word calling, um, just just as Cody and Tanner just alluded to, we can think about it way, way too much. Um, but I love that when I see my friends thriving in where they are now and just enjoying where they are now. Um, I just love seeing that because, I mean, I know God has gifted them in those ways and they are being an impact in those respective areas. And I just, I don't know. It's, it's fun for me to see because I mean, I too, I, I love where I work and um, I'm a, I'm an assistant project manager managing uh, we're building a children's hospital. So like, that's going to be a great job at the end of the day. But like in today we're, you know, doing day-to-day tasks. We're making spreadsheets and we're uh, handling money and handling people and all these mundane tasks. But at the end of the day, there's something greater, but through it all, like I get to enjoy the process of, of work. And, and even though I'm working here, yeah, maybe a ministry job would have been great, but this is where I am. And like people are needed. I, f- I feel like Christians are needed in the workplace just as much as they're needed anywhere else. Like um, pastors, sometimes get glorified as, you know, they're on stage, they preach and they're doing a great job. But um, if you're like feeling, I don't know if I should serve full-time ministry or like go to the workplace. Hey, I mean, what do you, what do you enjoy doing? Like, what are you passionate about? Like find that. And cause God's going to use you wherever you're at. Like that's the, I feel like that's the thing that we miss sometimes. We only feel God can use us in a certain place, but actually wherever we're at, he's going to use us there. So, uh, so any final thoughts on this whole topic of work, Cody? Man, I think uh, we we kind of alluded to it, but uh, I just wanted to hit on really quick. Uh, Blake and I had a lot of talks, or I say a lot, like two. Um, <laughs> we had like two talks uh, when we first started working about how tough it was to start working coming out of college. And I just, I just want to like, with everything that we said about how, you know, work has a higher purpose and all these kind of things, like you could have a very good theology and idea of why you work um, and still come in every day and just feel like you're doing something fruitless. And that's, I think that's just reality. And I really do think that it's something that we should mention because Blake and I both really struggle with this. And, uh, and we were talking about how, you know, here we are, we're in these jobs that we worked like four, four years to, to get to in college. And like for the first few months, man, we were just really having a tough time. Yeah. Uh, it didn't, for me at least, it didn't really feel like I was, um, it didn't really feel like I was getting anything done. It didn't really feel like I was adding or contributing anything. Um, and I just want to like encourage people that in those moments, you are still uh, absolutely doing the thing that God has, has called you to do. Uh, you don't need to get in this mindset of, well, um, I'm not really seeing anything happen. So I'm just going to wait for the next job to honor God with, uh, or I'm going to wait to the next job to do my best in because honestly, man, just, just push through, Mm -hmm. push through the difficulty because I think a lot of times we really expect a, a, pre-fall of man experience out of post-fall of man work um and it's it's gonna be rough there's thorns and thistles and that chat that those verses in genesis 3 are there for a reason and the difficulty that we experience in work is is there to remind us that our hope is one day in a new heaven and a new earth where work is going to be fully joyful every moment. Um, and it's going to be completely fulfilling, um, every moment because that sin that's entered and broken the fabric of the world isn't going to be there anymore. So that's my, that's my encouragement. If, if you graduate and you're listening to this and you're in your new job and you just feel like it's in a rut, man, persevere and pray for the strength to honor God and how you work. Tanner, any final thoughts? Yeah. Uh, Cody, I mean, that was, amazing like I've, I've felt the same i've felt the same way um especially just kind of filling the role that i am uh teaching so um yeah just echoing that but i have two kind of final thoughts um one kind of going back to calling um i think to add to the point of kind of uh, of buchaner's um where you're 
passions, um, the world's needs meet. Um, there are a lot of things that we may be passionate about that we aren't necessarily called to do, you know, as an occupation or a vocation. Um, you know, for instance, you may be passionate about football, but not have the ability to play mm-hmm. football. Um, and so there's, I can't remember, uh, I know who told me this, but I can't remember who they said, said this. I think I want to say it was Charles Spurgeon, but it was kind of like uh, under the question of calling and kind of answering that question of, are you being called? Like literally are people calling you to fill roles because people will see your gifts and see what you're capable of doing Mm -hmm. and ask you to do that and kind of see that and call you out on it. Um, And so if you aren't, then they're kind of, it might be a a sign to at least um, look at other aspects of your life that you are gifted in and to run in that direction. The second point um, is something that I noticed, like we've talked about most this episode of stuff that we can kind of adjust in how we view things, um, seeing new things, things that we can do. But I think there's also things that like just the workforce, um, you know, business owners, business runners, uh, whatever it may be, can do better because there's this huge, like for me, I know you guys might have experienced this too. There's this huge frustration of like leaving college and um, like (laughs) every job you want to go into like the job field you must have either like x amount of years of experience normally like three plus or have your foot in the door with like an internship or knowing someone that is high up in the organization or in the business right and it's like very confusing like how can i have experience except for the internship how can i have experience if every place hiring expects experience um and so you know those of us that are either already in a job or going into kind of think further down the road, how can we best um, prepare people or at least have our organization open to bringing people in, training them so they, they can feel like they are fulfilling their calling, their duty, and not have those first year gloomy, like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, so that's my encouragement to people leaving college and people that are already in business. That's good. Um, well, that's the end of our conversation. Uh, and we obviously, we, we love this. We could probably talk for hours more about it just because, I mean, we just touched on each of those questions. So we hope that you continue to think about these, uh, these questions we ask, continue the conversation um, just because we feel like, especially if you're, uh, in college or, or graduating soon, um, or just graduated. Uh, it's an important conversation to have. And, uh, so yeah, continue that conversation, but now to everyone's favorite or least favorite, I don't think we clarified <laughs> or did we with a Twitter poll? We did. We did not do it. Oh poll. yeah. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> we did. Oh, we did. No, we did. Uh, there are like five people who <laughs> Do the recommendations? I remember I voted in this one. Yep. Yeah. There's uh, most everybody else either just does it for moral support or for kicks. Um, we did. We didn't get anybody that said they didn't stick around. So well, that's awesome. Um, How about that? Well, uh, I'll kick off the recommendations this week, and uh, my recommendation is the latest album from Hillsong United. It's uh, it was actually recorded live. It's called People. Um, the first four singles that released was my favorite song each time it like each single that released, it was good grace, whole heart as you find me. And then another in the fire. Um, but just a, all in all, a fantastic episode and actually, uh, episode. I was trying to transition um, (laughs) because I was thinking we're releasing this episode on the day we'll be seeing Hillsong live that night, correct? The day after. The day after. Yeah, it's on a Saturday. We'll see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, So it's a fantastic album, but by the time this episode drops the next day, Tanner and I and Jen are going to be seeing Hillsong United um, live in Nashville. So um, I'll update you on that the next episode. But uh, (laughs) all that to say, um, I'm a big Hillsong United fan. um, And this album has just been uh, 
from all the singles released and just as a whole. Uh, I love it. Um, it's very ended, like it's a weighty album. Um, so that's all I'm gonna say about it. Go give it a listen. You probably already did. And if you did, I hope you agree. Um, but Hillsong United People is my recommendation. Cool. Tenna. Yeah, so um, my recommendation this week is a Netflix special from comedian Nate Bargatze. Um, hilarious. I think I'd heard or she may seen him on like Fallon or um, Conan one time a few years ago. Um, barely recognized the name, but I'd heard him recommended on other podcasts or seen it on Twitter. And uh, yeah, the special, great, funny. Blake, I showed you and Jen like, two little bits from it. Do you like it? Oh, loved it. <laughs> like Jen was saying afterwards, she was like, I want to watch that whole thing. And I was like, yeah, we need to watch it. That was great. Yeah. Really great. Um, clean comic. The show is clean. So you can show it to your parents, your kids, um, your dogs. Um, but That's right. <laughs> but it's great. Um, and he's from Nashville and kind of got like a kind of Southern draw and a, deadpan delivery so it's pretty it adds to the um to the viewing pleasure so go check it out let us know what you think um and tell us your favorite jokes we'll do right on right on my recommendation this week is actually very similar to my recommendation last week um and i'll tell y'all why but my recommendation is a movie that you can also find on netflix called hell or high water um, or heck or high water, or, uh, <laughs> Baptist. This is a, uh, it's called, it's a neo-Western. So it's, it's a Western, but it takes place in modern, modern day. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say it has the artist Neo in it. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. <laughs> Sadly, no, no, it was actually nominated for four Academy Awards, including best picture. And what the movie's about is it's kind of also a Bonnie and Clyde-ish story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it follows two brothers who are trying to rob enough banks to raise enough money to kind of save their family's ranch. And I won't tell y'all why they're going to such extreme lengths, but the, the movie kind of reveals that. And then two Texas Rangers who are trying to stop them. Uh, one of the brothers is played by Chris Pine. And uh, one of the uh, Texas Rangers is played by Jeff Bridges, who I love and will see anything that he's in. Uh, this movie was nominated for like four Academy Awards. It is amazing. And I, I don't want to spoil any of the plot points, but just the the main thing I can say about it is I have never been so conflicted, like morally, whether to root for the the villain or the the lawman. Like I have mm-hmm. I have never in all my days seen a movie where I have flip-flopped so frequently um the (laughs) script is just is just amazing uh the screenplay and the concept behind it are all just incredible um caveats it is r uh for let me see if i can remember what it's r for there's like five second blurred out sexy time uh (laughs) there's uh (laughs) there's a whole lot of language um and like a pinch of violence just a little bit uh, so that's that's all I the how you're describing this like a recipe. Or I know. Yeah. Uh, we got yeah. some uh, some language dash, a little dash yeah. of language. A dash of language. Add five seconds sexy time. Um, <laughs> yeah. All in all, I think it's a pretty it's a pretty tame ish R movie. Most I feel like it's mostly R for language, if I had to guess. But yeah, it is. It is a very 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 good movie. If you're into westerns. Uh, as I am very much so into Westerns. So yeah, Hell or High Water on Netflix. It's a good one. Awesome. Um, well, Tanner is going to let us know how everyone can get in contact with us. Yeah. Uh, first off, you can follow us on Twitter, our best form of content, uh, besides the oh, podcast. You shut show. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On Twitter, um, it is at Future Family Pod. You can follow us on Instagram for the more visual stuff at Future Family Podcast or email us any questions uh, continuing the conversation or suggestions for further um, episode topics at futurefamilypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, Tanner. Um, 
that's it for us, guys. It's another episode. Hey, if you enjoyed this one, then feel free to give us a five-star rating and leave a nice little review. Subscribe and stay up to date, and please keep the conversation going. With all that said, for Cody, Tanner, and myself, we are your future family.